Needless to say, I think I've had anxiety my whole life. While our dad is usually a main source of subject when discussing our personal and mutual dysfunction, we would like to emphasize the fact that having daddy issues or a father at all is not required to blame poor life decisions on your childhood or to join us in discussion. This podcast aims to create a safe environment for young adults to open up and reflect on how and why they are the way that they are and how to use or lose those behaviors going forward in a light, comical, and laid-back setting. Basically, we get drunk and get real about our choices, and we invite anyone and everyone to join us. We are an all-inclusive space. Childhood trauma spares no one. Okay. Here we are. Hi. Okay. So, we're here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We are here and we're not okay. Okay. This is weird because we're recording in the morning. Yeah. And I'm not really used to it. And I'm sober. So this is going to be interesting. I think I'm a little better at talking about myself and my feelings when I have a little bit of wine in me. (laughs) That's okay. You're going to do great. And the reason why I'm sober is because I have to study after this, which is super unfortunate. I just restarted PA school after a nice three and a half week break. You guys heard on my last episode how carefree and excited I was to have no responsibilities. And then I started school the beginning of January and feel like I'm being run over by a truck repeatedly. <laughs> what goes up must come down. So I'm not the same bubbly person I was um, a few weeks ago. I feel like I might have like a multiple personality disorder because I don't feel the same. <laughs> it's not multiple person. Is that a thing? Multiple personality disorder isn't, yeah, it is a thing, but it's not what you have. You just have multiple situations happening to the same person that's causing different reactions. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I started school uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, did not. I mean, it went. It's going. It's going fine. But mentally, I was not doing well for a couple couple weeks. Um, I guess we can go back to. So I started PA school in August and. Uh, I was having a lot, a lot of anxiety. Uh, my first ever real panic attack where I was like hyperventilating, like crying, couldn't breathe, couldn't talk. Like I've always been anxious, um, but like I've never had the, uh, I guess, stereotypical, uh, I, don't know, I don't like that word. The yeah. um, Traditional? Yeah. Like symptoms? Or just I guess the typical yeah, um, yeah. symptoms of anxiety of like, not being able to breathe and feeling like your chest is like collapsing and stuff. And that was the first time that it happened. And then I found ways to cope with it throughout the semester. I think a lot of it came from me proving to myself that I could do it Mm -hmm. by like being successful on tests and stuff like that. And I kind of, I got through it. I started to have more confidence and stuff. And then this semester started and it was like back to square one, like after the first week, like I was getting information thrown at me so quickly, and once again, I reverted to the, I can't freaking do this, and I was really anxious, and then it happened again. It was the second time, well, I had a few first semester, but it was, um, I think I had like two or three my first semester of like the hyperventilating like panic attacks, and it just happened to me again, and it was like out of nowhere. It was super strange. That's how it happens sometimes. We had we had all just gone to dinner together for our birthdays. Mm-hmm. It was that Friday night a couple weeks ago. And 
I got home. I guess it wasn't out of nowhere because I was like kind of stressed. I was like, I should have been studying. I shouldn't have been there that long, blah, 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 blah. And I was super overwhelmed. And then out of nowhere, like I would, um, Carl was just like sitting next to me because I was kind of venting. And all of a sudden I was like, I can't breathe. Like I cannot breathe. Like I felt like I was suffocating. Mm -hmm. And like, then you start crying and you get Mm -hmm. out of breath when you're crying. You're like literally like trying to like catch your breath and you feel like you're drowning. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot be doing this again. Like, it's like I was like I figured out a way to cope with it like why is this happening again um and then that was like a week before my first round of midterms and so I had midterms last week and I did well on them and then once again like I'm fine again yeah (laughs) I'm like why like I need to figure out a way to stop this before it starts because I just have this constant cycle of like self-doubt until I prove myself but, like, how do I find a way to, like, know that before the panic sets in, you know? I have to be able to find a way to... Um, Identify it, like, before it hits. Yeah, just be able to talk to myself and be like, you're being irrational. You know you're capable. I just automatically go to this spot of, like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I think I think it was, like, a lot at once because we did have all of our birthdays, like, right at the start of your semester. And that was a lot um, I think too, like a three week break as fun and nice as it is mm-hmm. and you needed it. It's, it's hard because you were on a schedule, you kind of had things figured out and then now you had undone all of that a bit and had to start from scratch. Yeah. So I think next time maybe a good method, not necessarily don't relax, but maybe like, first of all, ease out of it instead of going like right into the I'm chilling mode Mm -hmm. and then also ease back in like give yourself a cushion to get back into the swing of things before the semester even starts yeah you know well yeah and something that helps is realizing I'm not alone in it because I've made a really good friend in PA school and like she messaged me like it was a few days after I had my breakdown like she was just like a few steps behind me and she was like I'm having a breakdown like I'm laying on my ground crying like and my boyfriend just walked in and he doesn't know what to do and like I'm freaking out I'm like okay when you have someone to also relate to you and you feel a little less crazy it helps a lot too mm-hmm. but and it also helps you realize like okay you're not the only one with the self-doubt it's it's a characteristic of everyone and like knowing that I don't know why but it it helps a little bit so yeah yeah, because it's easy to feel like you're on an island in those kinds of situations, which just amplifies all of those yeah. fears and doubts. Yeah, so that, not the best current event story <laughs> that I've had before, but that's kind of been what I've been going through for the past few weeks, but I'm finally feeling like I'm getting back into the swing of things, feeling like myself a little bit more, feeling more confident about my abilities, and I'm going to go ahead and kick this semester's ass. Yeah, and as she says that, I just have to say, she's sitting there with her arms crossed and her freaking arms look so ripped right now. And so I really <laughs> believe that she's going to kick some ass. I, I went to kickboxing this morning, so let some of my aggression like, out. It's, it look <laughs> like she is strong. Thank you, thank you. All right, so how do you think it's dad's fault that oh, you're she- an anxious mess? <laughs> huh, um... Why is this dad's fault? Well, I can pinpoint that my anxiety comes from just, like, Mm -hmm. self-doubt. I feel like I always relate it back the same way. Yeah. But it's kind of typical. Yeah. Like, there there was, like, that one moment that really, I think, shaped a lot of 
qualities in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it just goes back to not feeling good enough and that's yeah. and then self-doubt comes from that and then yeah and you know you say it's one point but like he didn't just leave us the one time like it was over and over and over again mm-hmm. he made choices that weren't us yeah and when someone does that to you it it breaks down your confidence and your you know it's easy to feel like okay well I must not be shit then if I can just be neglected this much and yeah so when, when you, it's both empowering and exciting when you realize that you can do anything you want to do and that you are good enough and like you are your own support, but it's also terrifying because whenever you waver in that thinking, it is so easy to slip back into the, oh my God, how can I do this? I'm alone. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows how it's I'm like feeling. the highs are very high uh-huh. and the lows are very, very low. Yeah. So it's like. It's, it's a double-edged sword for sure, you know? What, is that the right phrase for that? No, because that would be two negatives. It's like it's like good on one hand on some days, but not so yeah. good on others. So, well, I'm thanks, glad Dad. that things... <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that things are looking up and that yeah. we're kind of on the tail end of that spiral because I was starting to get worried. Like, there were weeks that it was just like, oh, I can't do podcasts. I can't I know. see I've, you. Every, and, like, that <laughs> is a whole like thing in itself I feel so guilty that Uh when I have to tell you I can't do it because I just hate letting people down well I just want you to know that you didn't let me down I didn't ever feel like like bad for myself it was more just like concern for you like um because we kind of started connecting at the last time that you started pulling out of the bad zone you know of school yeah that was kind of like the start of your um like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well. The podcast? Kind of vibes. Yeah, or? like, the podcast, like, when we kind of, like, started hanging out more, mm-hmm. it was, like, right when um, you, like, were having your your good good phase of school. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Specifically. Yeah, I wasn't. Not necessarily nice. in, like, your, you know, emotional state wasn't necessarily good, but you <laughs> needed me there. I was around all the time. Yeah. And then you came out of it strong and, like, whatever. And so this was the first time I was in such close proximity to the not so good Yeah, you times. weren't really, like, not that you weren't there, but, yeah, you, but it was, you didn't see the bad part of last semester. Exactly. And, and that was my point. And so I just wanted to not make it worse for you. Yeah. And also hope that you understood that, like, you know, I know that that's a priority and I will respect that and you don't have to worry about me. I just also, as a big sis, I'm like, okay, well, I also know that these things bring her joy and that she does need to do them because it's what's helped her in the past so I don't want it to go by the wayside and then not come out of it on the other side but I'm really excited to see that you're leveling out again and hopefully hopefully the second time like hopefully this doesn't happen at the beginning of each semester (laughs) it's likely it will but ebb and flow maybe I'll learn my lesson and start next semester a little better but it's definitely it's a learning experience and it might happen every time but the difference is that you will have then adjusted to the to that knowledge that this is going to happen again. Mm-hmm. I can be more prepared each it. and every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like getting through it one time, you could easily be like, was that a fluke? But getting through it twice, it's like, okay, this is, this is fine. I'll be able to get through it. Every yeah. Time. <laughs> All right.
going into we're gonna stick on the top topic of anxiety um because I have finally accepted that I am an anxious person. I have kind of feel like been told my whole life. Yes. Like mom has always told me like you need to chill, you need to chill. And I never wanted to take on the label of having anxiety for a couple of reasons because I think to a certain extent everyone has anxiety. Like mm-hmm. so I felt like being like I Diet, self diag oh not self diagnosing I actually got diagnosed by a therapist so. <laughs> um, but being diagnosed with like the with having anxiety I feel like it belittles every other person's experience of anxiety because yeah. saying oh you have anxiety I feel like it's giving you an excuse mm-hmm. but I don't deserve an excuse because everyone has it mm-hmm. everyone struggles with anxiety so I never really wanted to take on that label. Um, I get that. and I also think that, uh, it's not all the time either. And yeah. I, I think I had this idea that in order to have anxiety, you had to be like a ball of anxiety yeah. all the time. <laughs> so I just didn't want to take on that, but I've accepted it. <laughs> I remember you would be scared of everything. Like you, even when we were really little, it was like, mm-hmm. Mom, what if, what if, but, but I, and I, like, all the time. I had a, <laughs> an impending doom. feeling of doom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that right, but yeah. I think I did. Yeah. Um, that something bad was going to happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that anymore. That's actually one of the questions that got asked um, when uh, you went I to was therapy. being diagnosed with, <laughs> she's like, do you want me to do this questionnaire to see if you have anxiety? Well, she's like, telling like she can put me on medication I was like I don't want that yeah um and she's like well let's do this little questionnaire it's like a typical psychiatric questionnaire to diagnose um anxiety and she asked like do you have like a an overwhelming feeling that something horrible is going to happen and that I don't feel that now but Mm -hmm. when I was younger like if mom was going out or something I would constantly be worried that something bad was going to happen to her if she was traveling if the whole entire time she'd be on the airplane, I would have this feeling of like, oh my God, what if mom dies? Mm-hmm. So I definitely had that more so when I was younger. I don't think that's the um, reason for my anxiety now, but it just goes to show I've definitely yeah, had it. I'm just saying like you've had it in different forms. Yeah, like when we were younger, when yeah. we had to share a bed, I'd be like, hold on to me and look in my direction. I literally wasn't allowed to face away from her when I went to sleep and I had to put my arm around her and then she would face me and we would have to mouth breathe (laughs) into each other and I hated it and I would lay there and try and time out her breath so that I could be breathing out at the same time as her because it seriously bothered me so much. Like a little child's mouth breath. You were my actual security blanket when I was younger. Um... But, so, I was thinking back to, like, when I was younger and where maybe the anxiety manifested in my younger years, and I I kind of forgot about this, but I spent probably from third grade to middle school seeing a cardiologist, like, in and out, because I would have these heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. I would be laying in bed at night. Yeah, you and- would scream. You would be on the top bunk, and you would just be like... <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't scream. You'd be like, Mom! Yeah. yeah, you would. Yeah, I would like I would run down to mom's room uh-huh. in the basement because I would be laying and I could look down at my chest uh-huh. and I could see my heart beating. Also, it was a lot longer than that. It was it was like 
through I guess, high yeah, I guess you were in middle school. Cause I, I want to say it was like up until I left. I remember you having all sorts of like ailments in the night, <laughs> specifically at nighttime too. It was like, I feel like it. That's kind of typical mm-hmm. anxiety. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but darkness makes it worse. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would like run down to mom and was like, my heart feels like it's going to explode out of my chest. Like I can see it pounding. So I went to the cardiologist and there were a few times I had irregular uh, EKGs and stuff. But for the most part, when I was there, they were, they'd be like, yeah, nothing's wrong. Like you're not having any sort of like actual physiological problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now looking back, I'm like, holy shit, that was just like straight up anxiety. Yeah. Like, that's a, like such a, that's one of the number one symptoms, like tightness in your chest, mm-hmm. or your heart pounding. And I was little. Yeah. And <laughs> we just never, I don't know. We never connected the two or. I definitely knew you were an anxious mess your whole life. I've always known. <laughs> I was like, yo, that can't be like, <laughs> but I don't know if these two like correlate, but there also was a time during that time period where I began to, uh, I guess we could say self-medicate at a young age. I think this was middle school, sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. I, one time I, I think had an allergic reaction to something. So mom gave a Benadryl. And I had the best sleep of my life. Like we said earlier, all my anxiety, all the heart uh-huh. palpitations, they happened at night. Like uh-huh. I obviously wasn't sleeping very well. So mom gave me the Benadryl. I had the best sleep of my life. Probably woke up the next day feeling like a new person. <laughs> it was probably to treat like a rash or something. But I realized the benefits it had <laughs> otherwise. So I found where our mom kept the Benadryl. And started taking one every single night before I went to sleep. I don't know how she didn't notice that they were, like, disappearing. Uh, and maybe it didn't go on for as long as I thought. I yeah. think it was only a couple weeks. But I was taking Benadryl every single night, <laughs> sleeping like a f- baby. It was great. Um, and I knew <laughs> I knew the time I had to take it in order to get... Oh, man. <laughs> this <sounds> so bad. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever... <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken Benadryl and stayed awake past the sleepiness part. Mm-hmm. You start to feel super, super loopy. Yeah. Um, I knew the timing I had to take it in order to like have the perfect peak and then fall asleep at the at my bedtime. Yeah. And so one day, <laughs> that's so bad. It's really, it's really messed up. <laughs> I was young. Okay. I'd like to emphasize this was when I was young. Okay. <laughs> Um, so one day I was like riding bikes with the neighborhood friend and the clock hit like six. So I knew it was time for me to take my Benadryl. (laughs) And so I, we were riding our bikes and I was like, okay, one second. I I actually have to go take my sleeping medication. (laughs) I used the word sleeping medication. And I went inside to take my Benadryl and I guess mom came out and she asked, like, where's Sonia? And she she said, oh, she went inside to take her sleeping medication. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Sleeping medication? (laughs) This this child is not on sleeping medication. So that's when she found out that I had been abusing Benadryl. (laughs) And um, 
looking back, I think I was self-medicating to help the anxiety. Yeah. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. I, I also just maybe like to medicate myself because when I was younger, I also drank cough syrup. Yeah. Like younger, younger. Yeah, like, little. but that was really because I liked the taste of it. Yeah. But who knows? No. So like sometimes I think that when you were younger, you were a bit of a hypochondriac, like the heart palpitations, you assumed like you were going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Like things like that. And so for you, medicine was the solution and you were so little, you didn't necessarily correlate like, <laughs> oh, okay, Benadryl's not going to save me from having a heart attack. That's allergy medicine. But you knew it helped you sleep at night. And like, so I felt like, I feel like even at a really, really little age, it was like, oh, you might've had a cold and mom gave you medicine and you were like, oh, that doesn't taste so bad or whatever. And so you were like almost like a like preventative measure. <laughs> I will be honest with the cough syrup thing. I just liked the taste of it. That's so weird. The grape cough syrup was so good. So that situation is, that was in preschool because mom worked nights, dad worked days. They were opposite. So dad would pick me up from preschool because it was like a half day and he would go to work and he'd be, he would say like, go take a nap with your mom because mom was sleeping. Honey, you were leaning. If you think, if you think that your little body wasn't feeling some effects of that lean, (laughs) you're lying. Well, I don't remember. You're lying. You were having maybe I thought, a good old time. Maybe I thought I liked the taste. Of, maybe I thought I just liked the taste, but maybe I was truly addicted. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it was easy. Maybe I had anxiety in preschool and it was easing my anxiety and I didn't even know it. But yeah, I would, I was supposed to go take a nap with mom, but I'd always get a whole entire loaf of bread, a whole entire stick of butter, grab the cost. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Madeline eat my bread and butter because that's what they did at the uh-huh. orphanage in Madeline and take a few sips of my cough syrup and then go take a nap. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, I think I've had anxiety my whole life and um, maybe self-medicated more than I thought. And fast forward to now when, um, so... I started therapy. Um, I don't, you guys can't see, but I did quotation marks mm-hmm. because I had one session and then I've canceled and haven't rescheduled. <laughs> she keeps texting me, but um, I don't know. <laughs> you ghosted her? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to find a good therapist though, man. I know. She was a good hype. She was a good hype lady, but I don't think she was helping me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I was only one time, so I don't know. <laughs> But she did. She did a screening for anxiety and depression and um, said I have both. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's cool. But she was told me she's like, we can prescribe you something. And I was and I am I've gotten into an argument with mom about this because she's super against like Mm -hmm. prescription medication for treating anxiety and depression. And I've been I've told her. They literally save people's lives. Mm-hmm. They fix chemical imbalances in people's brains. Yeah. Uh, and so I am all for medicating for anxiety and depression, but I do think that it's important to explore all avenues before you do. Yeah. So, and my anxiety and 
I'm a little on the fence about the depression. I've always had a hard time with the word depression too because I do. I think everyone has it in different states of but life. But like, yeah, and like pe- people have low lows and it also depends. Like I know for me, like if I go in to see a therapist on my low part of the month, by the way, <laughs> exactly. every month, it, then they'll be like, wow, you are straight up depressed. depressed. Yeah. But if I go on my high part of my month. That's what's really hard for me because I feel like I f- I'm a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. So why, like... If I'm good sometimes, then I think medication for me is just not okay. And I and get it. There are people who times. are not just constantly not good. Yeah. And they need that medication to right. help them. But I think I've I've shown to myself that I am good at times when I'm doing the right things for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I just don't think medication is the way to go. And I think maybe I got that out of my system when I was younger. <laughs> and also I think too, like a little bit, anxiety can be a fuel and if you so like like I said there's like high points at least for me it's kind of monthly I have you know my whole cycle and it's pretty much like clockwork when I get into my dark days Mm -hmm. and like if I were to minimize that part of me I would also be sacrificing the part of me that's like on top of it at the other part of the month because the medication doesn't just just do it during the times that you're depressed, you know, yeah. it also, it kind of makes you more neutral and I'd be losing out on all that, like good stuff. And I think that's true for anxiety too, because I think a lot of times your anxiety fuels why you work so hard in school because mm-hmm. you're worried about not succeeding. So that's the thing, like you said, medications, they kind of make you neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost take away emotions, um, so that you're not feeling the sad ones as much. But I was reading this thing on psychedelics and like psilocybin treating um, depression, and they did this study comparing people who were taking typical antidepressants than people who like microdosed on um, psilocybin. And the thing is, the people who did the psychedelics in a follow up, they were their symptoms of depression improved way more than the people on the typical mm-hmm. um, antidepressants. But they also did, so they gave the antidepressants to one group, the psychedelics to another, and then did brain scans of them while showing different faces. And the ones on the antidepressants, they um, when they saw like sa- uh, sad or like scared faces, the parts in their brain that like um, show Empathy. emotion and sadness, it was completely shut off. Yeah. But the ones that were taking the psilocybin it lit up like even more than it typically would. And so it goes to show that, like you said, usually the antidepressants will keep you neutral and it's supposed to help. But sometimes I think that actually experiencing the emotions more fully is mm-hmm. what will help you get yeah. through the depression. And that's why the psychedel- like psychedelics are a big area of um, exploration yeah. Yeah. for treating depression. No, I so. think that's a great point. And I, think, and I think that, you know, depression and anxiety are similar in that way too. You know, you, you, you don't want to like, be making every decision you ever make based off of fear. Yeah. But it is human instinct. Like, okay, if a bear showed up in this room right now, fucking let's, we would run away. (laughs) If we had that like wiped out, like that anxious feeling wiped out, we'd be dead. Yeah. Right. Or like a better example. Um, me and my friend get into this a lot. It's a bit of a tangent too. So if we have to cut it, it's fine. But like, so there's like good anxiety and there's bad anxiety. Mm -hmm. If we heard a branch scratch at the window, you could think one of two things. That's a branch scratching at the window or 
that's a murderer who's going to come into my window and murder me right now. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you think, if you assume it's a branch, it could be a branch and you could be fine, or it could be a murderer and you would be dead. Mm-hmm. If you assume it's a murderer and it's a branch, you got worked up for no reason. And sure, you had anxiety. Damn, that was hard to live with. You know, you were stressed out about something for nothing. But if it were a murderer, you're already out the door and you don't get murdered. It is Anxiety is almost a protective measure to yeah. keep your ass alive. No, actually, <laughs> I'm reading this book called Sapiens. It's actually really cool. It's like in a comic book form. I feel like you guys would like it. But it's basically about like the evolution of homo sapiens because mm-hmm. there used to be a bunch of different species of humans and we're the only ones that survived. We're the only animal that is a singular species. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. But he was saying like anxiety is evolutionary evolutionarily we are built to have anxiety because that's literally the only way we could survive is mm-hmm. being on edge and fighting mm-hmm. off all of our predators and like that is it's built into us mm-hmm. anxiety is so it has its it has its right the benefits. difference now is that like we don't go out on a daily and face like wild predators so we our- find reasons to have anxiety in the most Right, but then we feel silly about it. The yeah. reason we think we need to medicate it is because we feel dumb that we have it because we are generally more safe than we were when we initially developed anxiety. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's it's in our DNA, and so we need to express it somehow, and we find ways to do it maybe in areas that we don't need to. Yeah, so and the truth of the matter is, is that as time goes on, humans might become less anxious because we have less things to worry to be. about. But if things take a turn, yeah. then we're screwed because we no longer have that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we're in this in-between where it's like, okay, we have more anxiety than we need. So we're like headed towards evolution to where maybe we don't need it as much. But you also still do need anxiety to survive because there are those times where, you yeah. know, you assume the worst and it is the worst and you your ass is safe. You survived because yeah. of it, yeah. So you got to figure out the balance. Yeah. And so that's, that's my thing with medicating. And that's why I wouldn't necessarily want to is because I do like having that edge. I think it helps me and it benefits me. Yeah. And I think turning it back to like the anxiety I have with school, it's, it's what fuels me. Mm -hmm. Like if I didn't have the anxiety, I wouldn't try as hard. Exactly. And so it's just finding that balance and not letting it control you because once it gets to the point where you can't breathe and you're freaking out, it's obviously not healthy. But right. having a healthy level of anxiety, I think, is good. Yeah. And I think um, I'm just working on finding that balance. I think most people are. Yeah. And, and just, like, appreciating, like, maybe if you just start kind of, like, oh, this sounds weird, but, like, appreciating those moments of, like, high, high anxiety or depression where you're just, like, I know I need you in order for me to succeed at the things that I'm doing. I like that. Yeah, like... Befriend it. Yeah, like, be, like <laughs> plot twist. We lean into that shit. <laughs> Show us who's the again, boss. Not um, trying to change ourselves, just <laughs> flipping the script a little bit. Yeah, just be like, hello there, old friend. We need this. Like, listen to what your body is asking you for in those moments. Mm-hmm. If it's asking for you to pump the brakes a little bit, try it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's asking for you to lay in bed in the dark for a day, try it. Mm-hmm. Just see if that helps. And then, but then, but have like a time cap, like, okay, I'm going to give it, give it this today. Like, and, and then I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to try again, you know? And I think that 
you'd be pleasantly surprised. And obviously this is not like advice for just anyone and everyone. Everybody is different, Mm -hmm. you know, but I just think that like, if you're kind of in that in between where you feel like anxiety or depression starts to creep in and take over, but you still kind of need it. I think you need it sometimes. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of, you're kind of saying exactly what this whole meditation practice is that I do. Um, because I was super against meditation for a long time because I thought it was, I thought meditating meant that you were trying to rid your life of emotions and just become content. But the kind of meditation I've been doing is actually like being more in touch with your emotions Mm -hmm. and then choosing whether or not you want to lean into it or say that's just irrational. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important because yes, anxiety is going to be there no matter what. And I think some days it's okay to lean into it. And some days it's okay to be like, okay, I'm just going to throw it to the side. So it's just a, a fine balance. Yeah, it's kind of a case-by-case case basis. You have to evaluate each. But being aware of it is the most important exactly. part. Because if you're not aware of it, then you're just letting it control you. So I think yeah. it just all comes with an awareness. Yeah. So. Just identifying it. Don't worry. I'm not going to start self-medicating with Benadryl. <laughs> That's what the... That's what that phase was for, was for you to learn from that experience. That's what the alcohol is for. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know if I can really blame anyone but myself for the anxiety. I think it's just a pressure I put on myself. And I think, like like we said, it's something that everybody has. has. I don't think you, like, you, you weren't going to get out of this life without experiencing anxiety in yeah, some form or fashion. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I'm sure our life experiences have helped solidify that anxiety and things like that. But A little bit. Um, but just, like, a general thanks, Dad, we're messes. Know. We don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, Dad. Thanks. I think this one's more of like a thanks life. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, tap, it happens to the best of us. But. Yeah. But you just got to power through. And I know you can. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, we hope you were able to relate to this episode a little bit. Uh, and we'll come back and give a listen next week for another episode can you guys believe we did this sober? Oh this yeah, time? I know that's that's shocking. That's and we're still just as brilliant. I mean, we were talking about science and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at underscore underscore daddy dot issues. In Twitter, underscore underscore daddy issues. Um, and yeah, we hope you come back next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.